0: Alice Caruso is listed now as questionable for today's matchup against the Detroit Pistons, a game which the Chicago Bulls are definitely going to be looking for some revenge for. We're going to talk about that game it a little bit. We'll talk about who's out on the Pistons' side as they're missing a lot of players themselves. We're also going to talk about an interesting Bulls lineup that I think we expected to see this season, but we haven't seen a single minute of. We're going to talk about that, plus dive into the mailbag. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, make sure you guys are following the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. Also, new coming to the channel today, we ha- will be having our first Windy City Bulls review uh, recap for the week um, uh, episode up today towards the middle of the day. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be kind of recapping the biggest performances from some of the players that we are most invested in um, uh, in on that Windy City Bulls team. So that's something that we're kind of launching on the channel. We're going to be doing once a week, just recapping the full week. We got two games to recap this week. So let me know what you guys think on all that down below as well. But let's go ahead and get into the content for this episode right now. So the Bulls face off against the Detroit Pistons. Alex Caruso is listed as questionable, but the Detroit Pistons are missing Jalen Duren, Bogdanovich, Monte Morris, and Joe Harris with Jaden Ivey and Alec Burks all um, questionable. they're The last two are questionable. The other ones are out. And so this is a game where the Chicago Bulls, again, we could, I labeled it a revenge game out of just the, the nature of word play, right? But at the end of the day, like, this is the team that gave the Bulls fit, but that same version of the team will not be out on the court against the Bulls tonight uh, when it comes to the Detroit Pistons. Now, again, Alex Caruso's listed as questionable. With everybody that the Pistons are missing, I would not be surprised if maybe the Pistons, I mean, maybe the Bulls end up do sitting Alex Caruso. Maybe we get an extended look at, at uh you know, some more minutes for Javon Carter or Kobe White, something like that, in a case like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is a team where it really just comes down to execution for the Bulls. Yes, we lost that game against the Detroit Pistons, an ugly game, an ugly loss, and a loss that really kind of set the tone early for the Chicago Bulls season, unfortunately. But we we definitely want to see the Pistons, you know, I mean, uh, see the Bulls come in here and take business, take care of business against the Pistons. We had a 16-point loss against them last game, and a lot of that came down to lack of execution down the stretch of the game, which is, has been a continued story for the Chicago Bulls so far and their losses, their six losses on the course of this season, right? We just don't execute well. And is and then when it is a young, scrappy team uh, that can hit threes and play us tough physically, we just haven't really matched up well against that. And that goes back even more than this season. So when it comes down to it, the Bulls have to come in, they have to execute well, and they got to make things go the way that the best way that they can. Control your controllables. Limit your own turnovers while forcing some on the, on the defensive side where you can. Get out in transition when you can. Either rebound the ball well or you're getting, uh you know, you're forcing turnovers, things like that. But otherwise, just go through your offense. Pass up the, the good shots for great ones when you have opportunities. Don't start pressing, right? This is one of the games as well against the Detroit Pistons where we saw the Bulls just take threes to take threes, right? We don't want to do that. We want to take threes when it makes sense within the flow and the rhythm of the basketball game so those are things we're also going to need big performances from our core three uh, you know how big that remains to be seen but this was uh the game against the pistons was this game where zach Levine scored 51 points right and we got zero points from both kobe and patrick williams you would like to think that that's not that that's not going to happen again right and, and zach Levine's probably not going to score 51 points again either right but have more balanced attack in that right those type of things is what you want to see. The Bulls shot the ball 39% from three-point range. I'm sorry. Yeah, 39% from three-point range against that 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 last game against the Detroit Pistons. to go 11 of 28, right? That's not ter- terrible, right? But th- just, just be more aware of what you're doing. Also, bench production. We got terrible bench production in that last game against the Detroit Pistons. Now, again, that lineup has changed now. We have Torrey Craig in the starting lineup patrick williams in the on the bench unit and we're seeing that bench unit really start getting into their rhythm we're going to be maybe without alice caruso we'll see what happens with that but ios play really well javon carter's playing some of his best basketball here late for the chicago bulls uh andre drummond's really getting in his rhythm as well so those are definitely some things that we want to see continue for the chicago bulls team against the detroit Pistons team that is a winnable game right so Let's, let's hope that the, 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 that the Bulls can come in here with a little bit more execution. They're on their own home court. The Detroit Pistons are 2-8 and eight on the season. You don't want to let them get another win against you when they've only won two games on the season, as is. They're the last team in the Central Division, so this, the Bulls team just needs to take care of business, execute defensively, be aware of defensively, be locked in, right, and then allow the other things to come. So, you know, this is a game where, especially with how many players the Pistons are, are, are slated to be missing, I'm not really taking a a, a big chunk out of this game or or a huge meaning out of this game, but you just want to see your team come in and take care of business. That's it. That's it. They are missing five players that are all in their rotation heavily. When you look at Jalen Duren's a starter for them, Monte Morris is one of their first players coming off the bench, theoretically, if everybody's healthy. Jaden Ivey, we already know what he means for that team. Alex Burks played a big role against us hitting some key three-pointers. And then you got uh, Bogdanovich, who, again, is a vet on that team that, gets a lot of shots and scores a lot for them as well. They're missing all those players. If this is a game where the Chicago Bulls don't come in and look like the clear better team, man, it's going to be some big concerns. and There's going to be a lot of Bulls fans that are also pissed off by that. So let's hope that the Bulls come in and take care of business, absolutely, against a team uh, like the Detroit Pistons. But with that said, right, we are talking about lineups. One thing that's been crazy to see is that Javon Carter and Torrey Craig together have not played a single minute with the core three, meaning we have not seen a single minute of Javon Carter, Zach Levine, DeMar Rosen, Torrey Craig, and Nikola Vucevic being in the lineup for that team. So that's kind of a, a weird thing. And then, you know, he was asked this question, um, you know, in, in a press conference and, you know, he gave reasoning of saying, you know, what balance of the rotation is kind of tough. And now with Tory Craig in the starting lineup, uh, you know, sometimes he comes off when another, when another player will come in. And that kind of has led to that not happening. And I do think that this is a unit that, I was excited to see coming in the season. Like, I honestly thought that Javon Carter would win the starting point guard position. That didn't end up happening, but I did think that we would see minutes of Javon Carter and Tory Craig out there just because of how they help balance out some of the the miscues with that core three player, right? They bring defense, point-of-attack defense, especially with Javon Carter. They bring solid three-point shooting, more so with Javon Carter. Tory Craig's been kind of, you know, up and down with his three-point shooting, but you trust him to be able to make an open corner three, right? And so I'm just surprised that we haven't seen a single minute log of that of that rotation quite yet. So do we get into that? Hopefully, right? Hopefully, we start seeing that some point sooner rather than later. But I'm not going to say that that's like the key to unlock anything for the Chicago Bulls. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying that, especially in moments where you need offense and defensive balance. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen that lineup yet. I'm not surprised that it's not the starting lineup just because of how things have gone, things like that. But it's really kind of surprising to see. They that they haven't logged a single minute with that five players on the court all at the same time, right? That's it's just a little it's just a little strange, right? And I think coming into the season, a lot of Bulls fans would have expected that we would see some of that lineup, right? Maybe not a whole hell of a lot of it, and maybe you know Billy Donovan's kind of waiting to unlock it or maybe go to that once he feels like hey, because Kobe's still progressing as a starting point guard, right? He's finding his rhythm. Patrick Williams finding his rhythm off the bench, and so maybe that's kind of altered some things, but. Did not see Javon Carter and Tory Craig out there with the big three together at the same time, the core three, because they're not a big three. It's it's just it's a, it's a little strange that they haven't logged a single minute of that together. But, you know, maybe that changed today against the Detroit Pistons, especially with Alex Crusoe out. The lineups may get a little bit weird uh, uh, as far as like seeing combinations of players that we haven't seen yet, because Alex Crusoe has been so important for the Bulls. But if he if he does not play, maybe we do see that. But let me know what you guys think on that. Do you find it odd ah, that we haven't seen Javon Carter and Tory Craig out there together at the same time with the core three for a five-man rotation? Let me know what you guys think about that. But all right, it's Sunday, so you know what that means. It's still mailbag day, even though it's game day. So we got the first voicemail for today. This one's from Casual Kelder.
1: Now, no, no. I want you to call me. No more longer should I be called Kelder the Casual. I should be called Kelder the Prophet because I called all of this stuff. I can see the future. I called the Atlanta Hawks as a breakout team, and look at them. I even said Jalen Johnson would be the bust-out guy. Here, I enjoyed your thing, though, about the – well, I didn't enjoy it, but um, the top mistakes the Bulls made. Obviously, the boiling one was bad, but they're all everyone who made that decision is gone. Um, I think the biggest decision that has impacted them is the um, – and I got this from you, actually, um, so kudos – the ability for the front office to try to um, be relevant and competitive, not contenders. Because when you do that, what's ended up happening is you have enough guys to win, you know, 30, 35 games, okay? Um, and you're hoping then that you can draft and develop guys. Well, they haven't drafted or developed well. Um and Now they're stuck with, you know, an aging center who really is just at the whole team in this um, system that they got, they over they overpaid for all the assets, and now the assets are aging. And they might be one of the least athletic teams in the league. And I think that's the mistake: is that they want to stay competitive, and <clears throat> they had kind of a, almost a two K mindset of trading everybody to get other guys in, without considering the fit or the cost. And it's really it I, it's hard to see a way where this does not get nasty, ugly. Um. And that, to me, that's their biggest decision, and that's been a mistake. And hopefully, we they can get out of it, or we're gonna really see some um anger right at the AK situation. What you think, man? Bye. All
0: right. So first off, Atlanta, top team. Atlanta is one game above 500, and one is one of the worst defensive teams in the league, and has played the ninth easiest schedule in the NBA up until this point, Kelder. So again, and I think. Like, I know I always poke fun at, Ke- at Kelder for being a casual, but I've realized too that Kelder is a fantasy sports guy, right? So he looks at things through the scope of fantasy sports rather than how, like, I look at it through the actual game of basketball being played on the court. And that's not to say one's better than the other, it's just different perspectives for different uses, right? And so I think ultimately to say that Atlanta's been a top team is, to me, I, I can't get with that. They haven't been a top team in the NBA now, they have been one of the top offenses in the NBA. So if that's what you mean, kudos to that but they've also been a bottom five defense in this league uh so 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 far and like I said they're one game above 500 with one of the easiest schedules played so far so let's see if that maintains for this team but Atlanta Hawks a top team no the Eastern Conference though is a lot closer than what I think some people expected from top to bottom I think a lot of people expected the Eastern Conference like the middle of the pack teams to all be kind of in that same area but we're seeing like even like For example, yeah, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics have one loss and two losses respectively, but everyone else is either three or four losses with some teams with five losses going from uh, the number three team in the East all the way down to the number uh, 10 team in the East are all separated by like two and a half games so far. Young part of the season, but I definitely think it's it's closer in some aspects than what what I was even thinking, and I thought it was gonna be close. Now, as far as your Bulls estimation, right? As far as overpaying on every asset, Know the Vooch thing. We've talked about that. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, I guess, wasn't overpaid. Zach Levine was getting the max regardless, right? And it wasn't that he was paid. And I heard you say before, you know, I see Kelder, me and Kelder interact on a lot of different platforms that Zach Levine was expected to be paid for what he did before or whatever, but that was also his value. Zach Levine would have been on the open market, he would have gotten the max kind of level contract. I think a lot of Bulls fans, no, that does not mean a max level contract doesn't mean you're you're a perfect player. A max level contract in the modern NBA doesn't even mean you're a number one on a championship team. So I think people put that expectation on and it's not that. But athleticism, to me, isn't the Bulls issue. It's not the biggest Bulls issue. We've seen non-athletic teams still be top because of execution, right? So if you don't have the, the high level athleticism, you have to execute very well, especially as the league is getting more athletic every single year, right? So a team like the Denver Nuggets isn't a hugely athletic team. They have athletes on that team, but again, they have a lot of players with knee injuries on that team as well, which is crazy, but they're able to win a championship. This, the San Antonio Spurs during their heyday wasn't the most athletic team, right? So it really comes down to, it's not just about athleticism, but you have to have the execution if you don't have that, and right now the Chicago Bulls are executing piss poorly. That's a mixture of coaching, that's a mixture of their own personal players, and that's also a mix of this core group of players just doesn't work together the data everything points towards that and we got to see if ak's the one that's going to realize that and then make a change and hopefully that is something as far as and i'm not saying blow it all up i'm not even saying trade one player over another but fix the team right whatever that ends up making and taking shape fix the team and so let's hope that we have brighter future ahead and like i said uh in one episode the, the thing that sucks about all of this is had ak just been bad right he made the move to win now had he just stuffed stu- it out with a young team, right, that was going to lose games, you could have still went out and signed Lonzo Ball, right, because that, that rumor was there. They were already attached. Let's say you still sign Lonzo Ball. You're bringing them into a young group of players. And the Lonzo injury happens, happens not, whatever that the case may be on that one. But had the Bulls been able to hold on, keep in mind, three first-round picks went out over the course of four year, three years, right, Um, and had the Bulls held that, would they have drafted Franz Wagner we probably don't know, right? I'm not going to guarantee that they would have, that Franz Wagner were, was even on the Bulls' board at that point. I'm not going to say that he was, right? But would they have drafted Franz Wagner? We don't know, right? we went with other picks that were made with that i don't know but at the end of the day you have more bites at the apple with more first round picks to add to this team and then at that point you can be like kind of what the okc thunder are not as far as standing but as far as like they have so many first round picks coming in that they just cut players that were low in first round picks right they just cut them outright like and so having more young talent to kind of develop over time we are right now the exact same place what well, let me not say yeah probably the exact same place we would have been had we just toughed it out with our young core. Now, Wendell is not a better player than Nikola Vucevic, so that trade—the thing that hurts the most in that—is is the first-round picks that we're giving up. But I mean, ultimately, it just had we just been bad for a while, right? And 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 not try to make the moves to win now, where we could, where we could have possibly been in a better place than where we were right now. Because at the end of the day, and I know some Bulls fans are going to agree, some are going to disagree. We made all those moves to win now, and we had a thirty-five game stretch of exciting Bulls basketball where, look, we were the number one team in the East, but we we traded so many future assets for what ended up becoming a 35-game stretch. That's tough, bro. That's tough to, to, to swallow. So it is what it is there. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Shea. What's
2: up, man? Hey? This is Shea. You know, a lot of people have been saying, who doesn't fit on this team? Oh, this core should break up. This person should be traded, this and that. Hey, I've had some time to think about it, and have you ever thought maybe, just maybe, that maybe, maybe, that we don't have the right coach to coach this type of lineup? Now, don't get me wrong. Now, look, I know what people are going to say. Oh, oh, such and such don't fit this. Such and such don't fit that. But think about it. I've seen some of the best coaches have... Like, literally, a roster such as back in the days when the Chicago boys had a lot of players that we probably shouldn't even be winning with, especially when Derrick Rose was injured, and Tom Thibodeau made that team at least a competitive playoff team, even without Derrick Rose. Now, look, I'm not saying that anybody's right or wrong, but maybe it's more of a coaching thing. And it is a personnel thing because I'm not because a lot of a lot of times because a lot of people they probably can't a lot of people yeah they say this core doesn't work but you also got to think about it one of this main problems we don't know how to execute a late game situation and a lot of the times it's Billy Donovan not knowing who to put in and who to take out at the right period of time and then it's mostly come from him not know how to draw plays. Anyway,
0: tell me what you think, please. Do the Bulls have the right coach for the team? And me, no, I don't think so. I, I think when you look at Billy Donovan, not using players to their strengths, not being a coach that's really a leader, right? Especially when you don't have a lead, a vocal leader out on the court. His rotations suck. His defensive adjustments suck. Uh, So, no, I, I, I personally can't say that we have the right coach. And I do think maybe a different coach will get a different mix. Now, this is still a flawed team. Let me make no mistake about it. It's still a very, very flawed team. But I do think that a coach that maybe has a different mindset with adjustments and maybe a more creative system and more creative flow, things like that. I do think that this is probably a different team, that there is a coach out there that can get better out of this team than what we're what we've been getting. But I will say also, this is still an extremely flawed team. Right. So it's, it's kind of the both sides of the same of, of, of a coin with that one. Um, But I do think that, you know, and unfortunately, we got Billy Donovan locked into an extension that hasn't even kicked in yet. We don't even know how long that extension is for. So, you know, those things are going to play a part into it as well. But, you know, unfortunately, when it just comes down to it, Billy ain't the guy for me. This roster ain't the roster either, but Billy ain't the guy. I just, I, I look at Billy and I have to even say, even if we did go full rebuild, let's say we did. I don't think we do, but even say we did. Is Billy Donovan the guy to help guide the development of a team full of young players trying to figure it out? In this league, that's that's another tough question you got to ask yourself, right? So, man, that's it's it sucks. It really does suck. But hey, it is what it is. That's where we are. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Big O. What's
3: going on? Hey, it's Big O, bro. Man, I love you. The last video, man, just stating the facts of, about this core. Uh, plus, minus not being good, being last, and and uh, almost close to the bottom of last. You know, as far as the. Uh, uh, me at three, concern amongst the, the league. You know, uh, my, they're, they're kind of like my chances. You know, we went over it at, <laughs> at a nauseam. You know, we talked about it. We all, you know, a lot of us know it and understand that they don't want to. They don't want to start this thing off. They don't want to, uh, you know, sell off pieces and, and, and start from the bottom. But, but, I mean, at this point, I don't even know if they want to even reach it. out of okay, Patrick Williams they ain't panning out. Dalen Terry haven't stand out so far. The rule is still out on the other guy. But the thing is, the Bears haven't
0: Have fans turned on AK? Now, I get it that you said the fans haven't, right? You just want to see winning. Here's the thing. Chicago Bulls fans are very, what have you done for me lately? Let's say AK makes a series of moves at this trade deadline that kind of like what the Lakers did at the trade deadline a year or so ago, right? When they really made a bunch of trades that really changed the way that that roster played fit together. They went on runs. If they did that, everybody would be singing the praises of AK. But you do have part of the Bulls community right now that now say, hey, they're, they're even worse than what Gar packs were towards the end of it, right? I fall somewhere in the middle of it. I think that they've done their, their solid moves. I do always give them credit for the fact that the roster that they envisioned was working. Now, it wasn't sustained because Lonzo went down, and then you got to look at, okay, well, how faulty was that roster that one player pulled out of that completely made the whole thing crumble, right? But that roster was working. Had Alonzo stayed healthy, right? And we had been able to spend the last couple of offseasons fixing the gaps that were on that team rather than trying just to get back to where we were there, I think we would have a, a completely different view of this team. But ultimately, I think some fans have turned on AK, but he can win those, those fans back because ultimately we just want to see a team that can compete. And if the product on the basketball court improves, then the fans' appreciation of that front office is also going to improve. So it really comes down to that. So, That's what Bulls fans are. We are very result-based, right? And so we like seeing teams play with heart, play with determination, play with some grit. And I think that we haven't seen that either from the team. So it just brings about so many questions from what the things that we appreciate about a Chicago Bulls team is. But listen, AK, they have a chance, right? And I feel whatever the next version of this team is, whatever the next phase of this team is. we Move on from the continuity phase to either the compete phase or either the rebuild phase or whatever that next phase is. If you execute that phase well and start bringing some promise to this team, fans will come back when it comes to AK, but we just got to see the results of that. At least that's my opinion on it. Let me know what you guys think and all that down below. Alright, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Cornelius.
4: Hey, what's good, A's? It's Cornelius. What's good, team? Um, I want to talk about AC. Um, and, You know, people wanting to trade A.C. I'm to just be one to say I don't want to trade A.C. at all. Um, I want to keep A.C. by any means necessary. But <laughs> but if we is going to trade A.C., let's say to the Lakers, um, I don't know why everybody's saying they want Austin Reeves. That don't don't get that. Um, that don't make any sense to me. Um, you know what name I'm going to say. You know who I'm going to say, who I want from the Lakers. I've been wanting this man to free agency last year. I remember when he was doing the point guard, the point guard that we get realistically, you had to say this man's name because he was like, I know you're going to say this man's name. We're not going to talk about him because it's unrealistic to get him. But I'm going to speak on his name, and that's DeAngelo Russell. There should be nobody else that we should trade for in the Laker jersey. I don't want to know you I I know I'm saying his name wrong. I don't want no Austin Reeves. I don't want none of that. We already got that. We can get that with Justin Phillips, David Terry, P. Will. We can develop them type of players. DeAnsworth Russell is different. He is elite when it comes to his vision and when it comes to his passing. He just, like I said, I watch this man every game. Every game. My cousin is a hard Laker fan, so I got to deal with it. I watch it every, every single game. And I watch this man. And I watch how this man plays. And I watch how his IQ, his IQ is way up there. His shooting is A1. A1. Efficient. Straight efficient. This man got a 28-point game with 10 or 14 shooting. Came back again, bust the motherfucking asses again, 27 points to 10 and 19 shooting. And then, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, then he hit eight assists with the 28 points. And then, oh, yeah, he hit six assists with the 27 points. Let's we'll just see what he just did today against the Suns when he beat the Suns. He has 19 points, nine assists, four rebounds, and six to 12 shooting. That's exactly what we need. If I'm going to trade AC for defense, I need that offense. That's what we need. We need the scoring. We need the vision, we need the IQ, and that's what D'Angelo brings. I just don't get it. If we want the closest thing to Lonzo, that's it. That's it right there.
0: I appreciate you, Hayes. Like always, blessings to you, King. Team. team Red Nation, I'm out. I agree with you. Don't trade AC. I'm not on the trade AC bandwagon. But as far as you're saying D'Angelo Russell is the the closest thing next to Lonzo, no. And let me point out some things. Hey, uh... D'Angelo Russell, you talk about him as a passer, he has a he has a career passer rating of six point nine. It's not good. It's not good. He has a career average of five point seven assists per game. Not great either. On top of that, you say like you talk about offense, like that if you say that he's the next thing to Al- to Alonzo ball, he's not. Uh, uh D'Angelo Russell was a volume shooter over the course of his career, taking between 15 to 18 shots per game over the course of his career. You know what made Lonzo Ball so effective in this team is that he didn't need a lot of shots. Lonzo Ball took five less shots than what D'Angelo Russell's having. So to say that D'Angelo Russell brings in defensively, it's not even close. D'Angelo Russell couldn't even sniff the jockstrap of Lonzo Ball defensively, Right. So I, I gotta disagree with you on that, and I think you're looking at it from what he can be. And don't get me wrong, D'Angelo Russell is a solid NBA player, but it, not on this team. Again, you're adding another ball dominant player that needs that needs a lot of shots for a team that we're constantly seeing that we just can't we can't. He's not gonna get that. And w- would you say that he's gonna be able to get in rhythm? And he's not that great of a three point shooter either. Yeah, he's a th- a career 36 percent three point shooter. Right? That's not great. That's not great. Now he's had a couple of years of being in 40 percent. And taking high volume three, so that is that. But I guess where I get at, and I don't want to knock D'Angelo Russell as a player, but to say that D'Angelo Russell is the closest thing to Lonzo Ball, he's not even close to sniffing what Lonzo Ball is at all. And that's not what we need for this team. And keep in mind, we also need somebody with defensive IQ. We also need somebody who is a communicator on defense. D'Angelo Russell is not that. Now, if you're talking about moving a Demar and then you're bringing in a D'Angelo Russell because you're you're moving then a high volume player, that's a different conversation. Lonzo in replacing, I mean, D'Angelo Russell in replacing what Lonzo brought, he doesn't bring that. Not at least in my opinion. Let me know what you guys think down below. All right, let's get into the last voicemail. This one's for Michael Korn. Hey, Hayes.
5: How you doing? Mike Korn here. Uh, great topic. Uh, Bulls' biggest regrets the past 10 years. When you were leading up to it and discussing it, uh, Jim Boylan quickly came to mind as the biggest regrets. It was spot on and uh, you Bringing him to the top of your list. But then I actually said, I mean, he was a fucking meathead. Sorry, man, but he was just terrible. Kind of like the high school coach or teacher you'd absolutely hate. Or, man, I'd love to be an adult and kick that guy's ass. But anyway, um, the, uh, enough said about him. But I started thinking, you got to also go to AK and Eversley because they, uh, knew they should have fired him. And if they were, like, you know, sucking balls of the owner to keep on that track of a coach, then, man, they're responsible. Um, and they they're also brought in Donovan. And so, uh, so I would say Jim Boylan, biggest mistake with an asterisk that the front office enabled it. And then a double asterisk, if there's such a thing, the fucking ownership, uh, brought them in. So it's, uh, Jim Boylan uh, as a symptom of just, like, a bigger issue, in uh, my opinion. Very great topic. Quick question, you know, uh, don't step too, you know, any time in the past anymore, just but looking ahead. And, and currently, who's your Bulls' uh, favorite five on the court to watch? I'm not talking about, like, situational matchups, et cetera, but just, like, middle of the game, tied game, third quarter, whatever. Like, who do you like seeing out there? Uh, your f- uh, favorite five Bulls uh, playing uh, the most enjoyable. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, looking forward to uh, hearing your mailbacks this weekend. Thanks.
0: First of all, how has the season had to go to get one of the calmest people I've ever heard on voicemail in Michael Korn calling, saying that people suck balls and that he is ready to fight? That is that is where this bull season is. Going. It has turned Michael. Michael Korn's villain arc has started. But outside of that, all great points, as always made by Michael Corm. Great insight there. Um, you know, when I did that whole the Bulls' biggest regrets in the last uh, uh, 10 years, it was just like, damn. Like, and like I said, I didn't even like go through. If I would have went through all the bad moves in the last 10 years from the Bulls, it would have brought about so much trauma for Bulls fans that it would have been real. We would have had to have a group therapy session. Now, with that said, to answer your question, what's your favorite five, uh, b- five bulls on the court? I don't know if I've really seen one. I'll say that the, uh, having Alex Caruso, Tori Craig, and honestly, um, Io DeSumo has been really good out there. Now, you can have some drumming, some vooch, depending on what style we play, but I won't say necessarily a five-man group, but seeing those three players out there together, they get in such a rhythm and get out in transition that is beautiful. But I think if you add to that, let's say, so we're saying AC, uh, then I'm going to say Zach at the at the two, Io at the three, right? But have we actually seen, I'm kind of, now I'm thinking about like just what I would like as far as balance, but I know we've seen Torrey Craig, Io DeSumo, and Alex Caruso out there together, and I'll tell you what, and even if you throw in Javon Carter, that team and what they do defensively to people and then how they get out in transition, how they move a ball, how they move the ball around at that point in time has been some beautiful basketball to watch. And so, that's kind of like, you find out how to fill in the other two, but those are definitely Definitely three players that I want to see play more minutes on that bench unit because I think they put the pressure on opposing benches. They can increase leads. They defensively, they can switch a lot as well, which is some things that we can't necessarily do a lot with that starting lineup as far as effectively. But those three guys together, man, I love the rhythm that they're getting into a lot. But let me know down below, guys, what has been your favorite five-man Bulls rotation so far on this season, even though we don't have a lot of wins. But let me know what you guys think on that. But that's my time for today, guys. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod.gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, no, that's the that's the Bears. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you ready right if you can, y'all. Peace.
2: This has been a presentation of the Break Break, Break Media. Media.